Hello, Tarot Pickle, episode 67. We have a couple special guests with us tonight. First, I'll introduce Chris because he gets mad when I don't do that. Chris is with us. We also have Coach Ferber, the Real Ballers national team. He's out in California now. And Casey Smith with Outfront Hitting. This episode is going to be a doozy if I'm judging by the pre-show chatter. Uh, Chris, I'll throw it to you. How's it going? It's going good, Bobby. I have, uh, I don't know, I know the fans at home that are listening to the pod audio can't see my attire right now. I'm rocking uh, my uh, postseason hat. It's on backwards, um, just FYI. Uh, from that time when I played in the major leagues, I also have the goggles on over it. They haven't been cleaned since the celebration. This has happened before on a podcast, but I wanted to make it clear that I played in the major leagues and I'm allowed to talk about hitting. So just so you know, I want everybody to know that. That's that's fair. Noted. Thank you for clarifying your authority. Yeah, these these are the conversation. This was free ninety nine. I didn't have to pay for any of this stuff because they gave it to me after we won the division series. Just saying. Good, Ferbs. How we doing? I'm doing great. I never played in the big leagues, but this one time at band camp, I hit a home run. Hey, when I was like, what? <laughs> you know what's important though, Ferbs? I'm gonna. I made the point that I played in the big leagues, but I want I want you to know you're welcome to talk hitting with me anytime. And also, Casey. Same goes to you, because you guys are my guys now. My guy. <laughs> and you can talk hitting with me anytime you want. If you have any advice for me, I'm willing to take it. So, Major League hitter, feel free to help make me better. How's that? <laughs> Casey, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. This is I'm so excited about this. Like, uh, when when Cece called me the other day, like we said, we we talked forever, and. uh I was uh, I was pretty fired up to come on, so this is this is awesome. I didn't even check y'all's baseball reference page before I asked you to come on. Hey, look, I, my my baseball reference page is so small that like, you know, it it says like my birthday and then that's it. Like, but at least at least it's on there, right? Like now they 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 have like my birthday wrong and my place of birth wrong. So like, I played so such a short period of time in the minor leagues that it's still messed up. So oh well. Does, hey, am I allowed to talk about hitting though? I'm sorry that my page isn't the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I'm giving you full. Per, I'm granting you permission as a. If it's permission from a big leaguer, that that counts, right? I'm I'm good to go now, right? Hitting. Okay. Yeah, you're now you've been accepted. So yes, it's, okay. It's, it's passed. It actually 28 states just approved the law saying that if you didn't <laughs> come the major leagues, you're allowed to have hitting conversations. I, New Hampshire passed it a while back. That's why Bobby was able to start talking about hitting 10 years ago. Oh, see, uh, the South is usually behind everything. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Alabama it just just got here. So, okay, cool. I figured. I figured. No, All right. So we're uh, if it's not clear by now, there's going to be some chirping going on in this episode. Uh, before we get to that, I want to have a little bit more of a serious discussion. So just kind of about the state of hitting and kind of we we've all coming. We all we all work with hitters, right? We've we've lived the life of being in the cage. Um, Ferbs, you coach teams. You've, I don't even know how long you've been coaching teams, but you've been doing this for a while. Um, Casey, you have your own facility. I've had my own facility. We're all kind of in the space of internet hitting. I think that's safe to say. Chris, you obviously played at levels we haven't played at. It was, a, it was the big leagues. Yeah. That American, was the American League. In the American League, yeah. But you've been in, you've been in the space 
enough to know kind of what's going on. And I think there's, uh, there's, there's different sides to this where there are a lot of people out there teaching things that are pretty eyewash. Like the concept of a launch angle swing is both valid, but also the dumbest thing ever because there's no such thing as a launch angle swing, but at the same time, there is a launch angle swing. Um, I want to kind of just dig into this and have a conversation about like, just when you get in the cage with a hitter, how is your time being spent? Like what, what, where's your focus? I feel like when I'm in the cage, 80% of my time is just focused on timing and getting kids to move better early. And if, if, when we talk about mechanical changes, it's almost always timing based. Uh, I also coach teams. We had travel teams. I've coached the collegiate level. I've coached the high school level. I've coached 12 year olds. Like I've coached major league MVPs. I've seen the full spectrum of this coaching world. Um, and it's almost always coming out of timing. So I'm just, I, I want to get into that and see where you guys spend your time and what, where you see the problems with hitters in the game, because they go on MLB network. They're telling me all this stuff about what their reality is. I would say that we've been in the trenches a lot more than talking heads on TV so I want to, I want to dig into it like real life, you in the cage, in reality, what are you guys seeing and what are you guys dealing with? I'll go with Casey first. Can I kick it off? You go can kick Casey. it off. Yeah. Go ahead, Ferbs. Go ahead, Ferbs. Well, I, I like the conversation, first of all, and I appreciate you having me on. All these guys that are on here, it's it, for me, this is a great conversation because even though, like, I have the connection between all these guys. I've, I've done clinics. With Casey, I've done clinics with Chris. Um, I talk with you about hitting every day, Bobby. And everybody has their own little, um, what you do the most, I would say, is what you get good at, right? And so I'm not in the cage as much as Casey is or Chris on a daily basis, or you, Bobby. I'm not in a cage like that. I'm more of a field coach, right? So what I've gotten good at is watching what my hitters are doing in game, and then giving them suggestions to work on during the week if they're missing under the ball, if they're late, if they're early, if whatever the case is that's going on in game. And the, the one of the biggest issues that I've had and I've seen is that, for instance, with my team, my hitters are extremely spread out through different states. I got six different states of guys on one team. Casey came when I was in Alabama. I took my guys, all my players to go hit at his facility and listen to all of his concepts, um, try all of his all of his foundational drills that he does on a daily basis, take him through everything. Um, I don't know a lot of a lot of field coaches that are okay with doing that. I think that a lot of field coaches, guys that coach teams, feel like inadequate if they somehow hand off their hitters to other hitting coaches. Where I've been. I've perfected it almost because I'm forced to deal with so many different hitting coaches because my guys aren't, uh, we don't practice all together. I have little groups of guys that I have say four guys that would hit with this guy. I've got three guys that hit with Chris. I've got two guys that are in Massachusetts, two guys that are Virginia. And I have to communicate with each one of these hitting coaches in the private sector, right. In order to get like establish some type of, of communication of this is what's going on in game. Can you, can you guys work on this a little bit in the facility? And so 
if you get good at sharing information back and forth like that, I feel like you can oh, you can accomplish a lot. But what I've seen in recently, like like today, I was looking at this thing on Instagram, and it has nothing to do with baseball, but it was like a picture of Calvin of, of a Calvin Klein um, modeling shoot in 1999, and then a, it was a billboard on Times Square, and then the billboard today on Times Square in 2020. The one in 1999 was a skinny white girl that apparently every single, you know, as time goes by, I guess people thought that, you know, looking at that would make young girls feel insecure and start having anorexia and not mentally healthy. And then fast forward 20 years and instead of they put the, it was a skinny white girl over here and then a completely obese black woman modeling on the other picture like completely polarized opposites. It's gotten to a point where it's like, there's no balance. It's either one way is completely crazy on this side or one way is completely crazy on this side. And why not just have a Latin woman or an Indian woman or an Asian woman that has an average build that people aren't going to go crazy with that's right in the middle. Why not have that? It's the same thing in hitting. To me right now, it's like, it's either I'm super old school I reject all of your data. I reject all of your, your, your new swing ideas and concepts, or I don't have any feel at all. And all I do is throw a K vest on somebody, a blast motion sensor, give you a bunch of readouts. And that's what I do. So that's kind of what, what I've been seeing lately, but uh, I'll pass the mic to Casey. He can see, he, he can tell me if it's any different for him. Yeah. So, um, you know, that it's funny first, because, you know, when we came down and, and did that clinic, it was it was awesome. And I'll tell you that the coolest thing about it, guys, is and CC, when we had this conversation the other day on the phone, um, when you talk to guys that are doing it on a daily basis, they're actually in the cages or they're on the field with hitters. What I find is we all wound up being in a pretty similar place. We just communicate it differently, which I feel like is at the end of the day that's the best possible thing for players is everybody's trying to get to the same place. And, and I told you this analogy. So this is my analogy firms. If I got, if I got three kids and one's coming from this town, the other kids coming from a different town, the other kids coming from a third town, they're trying to get to my facility. Well, they're, they're all trying to get to the same place. And if I give them all three, the exact same directions, only one of them is going to get there. The other two are going to get lost as hell. Right? Maybe, maybe get there. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Wrong direction. Right. Right. So it's like, you know, you, you hope that they, they could take the directions I gave them and, and get there. You know, one's going to have the closest to what they need, but if I tell them all the same way, well, two of them are going to fail miserably and one of them hopefully gets there. So if, if we only have one way of communicating, then you're only hurting the players. And so being able to be able to talk to other coaches, because Ferbs, you had a drill that you start your, your, your guys with off every day, where it's, you know, just focusing on the upper body. Well, we, I do the same drill. I just called it something completely different, same thought process. And that was what was so cool is like having your guys in and talking about it is we're all trying to get to the same place at the end of the day, which is everybody can be like, yeah, Hey, dude, that guy's, dude's got a great swing. Well, what does he think about? How does he think about it? How does he get there? That's what's different. And that that's where I feel like the communication breakdown or, or the resistance of the communication, which I don't understand is, is we're all, we're all trying to get 
to a pretty similar place. Now, different guys move differently, but more importantly, different guys think differently and how you communicate it is, is what you're trying to do. So for us that are in the trenches, my goal every day is not to show somebody what a good swing is. It's to help them understand how they need to get there. And it's very, very different for every hitter. And, and CC, I told you this, like, you know, you got a guy, I'm telling one kid swing straight up, one kid swing straight down. Like I've got drills that if I did with this hitter, it would make them terrible. But the kid, the next kid that comes in the cage, it helps them tremendously. Um, and so what, what I feel like I spend the most time doing is there's two things is getting hitters in a good position to actually get a swing off from. So I don't really actually work on the swing itself. It's putting them in a good position to swing from on time. Um, and then from there, undoing a lot of thought processes that have been in their head that have been – and actually, I had a kid come in the other day that's a – he's a draft prospect, and he's never had a hitting guy. Freak athlete, whatever. Best thing I could ever work with because he's clean slate. It's it, The toughest thing is undoing a lot of things that have been pounded into the kids' heads for a long period of time that were not what they needed. Not that it was bad information. It just wasn't their information. And so those are the, the two things I feel like I spend the most time on doing is just helping hitters get into a good position to hit from on time uh, and then trying to undo like negative thought processes that don't work for them. Uh, and again, that, you know, you, you, the old school stuff of, you know, swing down or whatever. It drives me crazy when you say this old school. I tell kids swing down daily. I also tell kids swing up daily. Like I, it's like, it doesn't matter. It, it matters is what, what that kid needs to hear to get them in a good position in a baseball. Right? And so that's it. So I'll pass it to CC. Cause I know there's you like you're chubby the bit. <laughs> His hands start moving. That's what you know. <laughs> the conversation is it's, there's so much constructive dialogue and so much understanding of what good is, right? We can all look at the swing. And I think by and large, the entire industry could probably look at a swing and say, that's what I would want it to look like. There's some outsiders that we would go, Oh, like you're seeing something different, but at the end of the day, like there's nobody that's going to say Barry Bonds, swing was bad. <laughs> like, right. And I, I bring up Barry and I, I think of, I'm, I'm listening to this interview and people can think whatever they want about the guy. And I, I've, I've been like, a, I'm on this, I'm trying to understand Barry Bonds. I'm trying to understand the psyche of Barry Bonds recently. And I watched this interview and I, I referred, I, I referenced it last week when we did the show, but Barry said, I, I tried to take a little from that guy, a little from that guy, a little from that guy. Like, and you know, we're talking, his mentors were Willie, his dad, Willie McCovey, uh, Pete Rose, it, people that came before him. He said, I tried to take the good stuff. And he talked about taking information from everyone and applying it and then throwing out the stuff that didn't work. And what we collectively in this group, I think, have tried to do is we're trying to figure out what the messaging needs to be to get a, a player to understand how to be good. Because it's an education, right? Like, it's an education, ultimately. It's not, hey, move like this. It's an education on, hey, here's some tips to maybe help you get to the place where you can move like the best players in the world. Or you can move closer to what the best players in the move world in the world move. Sorry. But – the point to me ultimately is there's just, there's no blueprint. Like we don't have a blueprint to say, Hey, do this, right? If you just do this, you're going to be good. Right. Like, Hey, do this drill. You're going to be good. If it was that easy, like everybody could be a hitting guy, but it's just not, that's just not what it is. Cause hitting is this intertangled web of crap that is emotional and 
philosophical and psychological and ultimately it's rooted in failure. So to your point, Casey, about breaking, like breaking things and to your point for about like, you know, there's been bad information given to hitters because it's stripped their athleticism. And Ferbs, like you were saying, like the world is, you have this polarized world where it's one way or the other way. And it's like, can't we just do what's best for the player? And Chris, Chris, can I, can I, yeah. I just wanted to add one thing to what you're saying, dude, because <clears throat> one of the things that I, that I always look at when I go, who's a quality hitting coach, who would I want my guy, the guys that play for me on the field, who do I want them absorbing information from being around, watching what they're doing, listening. One of the biggest keys for me is if the hitting guy, if his philosophy doesn't have a plan B, it's a problem for my guys. Because like I sent the guy, I'll give you an example, a real life example, Tone Morales. Okay. Tone Morales is a, is a kid. He's committed to Wake Forest, phenomenal athlete, plays multi-sport athlete, football player, basketball player, just a freak athlete. Um, you know, balls to the wall, plays with his hair on fire, like, dynamic, twitchy, fast mover, lefty, lefty swing, real pretty. And like the kid is, the kid is, the kid is very, very talented. When I brought him to Chris, Chris obviously is going to, any hitting coach is going to introduce some new ideas and new concepts to you, right? That's what their job is. You're not going to go to a hitting coach and just throw BP. I mean, obviously you're going to say some things and say, these are my recommendations. Let's, let's see what, let's see what works. There was a point in time where, tone was trying to execute what Chris was telling him in the cage in games. And his focus became, I want to do this move that, that, that Calabello has showed me what worked for him. And he was struggling because he was trying to execute the move. So I go back and talk to Chris and give him the feedback of what's going on in game. And Chris is like, Oh yeah, like that's simple. He just probably has to swing a little less hard. You know what I mean? And like, let's work on that a little bit. We talk about it a little bit, talk about what's going on in game. And all of a sudden, the kid starts raking. Absolutely exploding and raking because, and, but he was the one that figured it out. I like the fact that Chris never actually said, you need to do this, right? And this is the way to be successful. But a lot of the guys that I see on the internet, for whatever reason, it's like, if your guy's struggling, if this hitter is struggling that you're working with, and you say, and the guy, and, and, and you say to the guy, well, what's, I've tried, I'm trying what you told me to do. It's not working in the game. And I got to get some knocks because I'm not going to stay in the lineup. Right. And the hitting coach says, there is no other way. This is it. Keep going until the wheels fall off. But the kid says, but even if I do what you say, I'm going to, I'm not going to be in the lineup. If there's no plan B, that's a problem. So I think it's very, it's very key to have a guy that's willing to say, Hey man, this is what I believe, but it's not working for you. So let's figure it out together. Yeah, that's so that like, CC. When we talked the other day, it was there's there's a couple of things. It's uh, coaches that teach in absolutes, meaning it's this way or no way, and then coaches that only teach what they did. It's you know like this is how I hit, so you have to hit like me. Well, I'm six three and right handed. Well, if I'm trying to teach a, a five six lefty that's more of a speed guy. Like if I'm saying you got to move like me, you got to think like you got, and that's more important. You got to think like me, your approach has to be like me. All yours, like that. What we're two completely different people. We're two different players. We have two different, we have different strengths in the game. We think about things. We move differently. Like how, like, how am I going to tell you to hit like me? That's not, that's not how this works. Like 
that 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 make that does, it literally doesn't make any sense. Like, if you think about it from the outside, it's like okay, that that makes absolutely no sense. Why would you tell somebody to do something like you when you're completely different people? Right. Like Chris, Chris, where 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 did you bat in the order? Usually, middle of the order, third to fifth. Middle, okay, middle of the order. This guy's here to drive in runs, dude. Burn outfielders and stuff. Tone Morales, the kid he's working with, is a leadoff guy. He's a leadoff lefty stick center fielder that basically gets on base and then steals back to back bases, and a walk is a triple. Like that's what he does at this level. And, and right, part of, part of my dialogue with him has been, as you continue to develop as a player, right. Don't ever forget what makes you good. Like you're a super high contact rate guy. You don't swing and miss. Your compete is through the roof. So I don't, I don't want you to lose any of that. If we're going to sacrifice any of that, then it's not, it's not even worth it. Right. Cause, and the whole paradigm to me is learning to hit first with like within the swing. So now I think I'm trying to blend those two worlds together. And Bobby and I talk about this a lot where it's like, I learned how to hit first, right? Like I had, everything was approach, mental, compete, deal with failure. Cause I, I was growing up in a time you guys were too, where nobody talks about mechanics. We didn't talk about mechanics. It was get your hands back, get your foot down, squish the bug. And like, literally I understood that stuff with literal translation. Bobby, I mean, has the story from how he hurt his thumb. I'll let him tell it because it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but, Bobby and I became friends because we think very much the same, even though we have some differences in how we get there. We're literal learners. We understand what people are saying literally. And those, those limitations I had from a mechanic standpoint were the thing that were holding me back from becoming a major leaguer, to be honest, to be fully honest. Yeah. It, the, the concept of like the feel versus real stuff, that whole discussion is very interesting to me. Um, I had a couple notes that I took while you guys were talking. Um, one was the concept of inventing things, which is a, a major ac- ac- um, accusation. That I think that internet hitting people get is that we're inventing stuff or we're trying or to make methodologies. Yeah. You're teaching them. Yeah. So I, I'm curious. It's your method. So my, just to, to, to finish what you had just started saying, Chris, I broke my thumb, my junior of college, the summer between my junior and senior year. Cause I was trying to take a ball to right center on an underhand flip. Um, and I was like very knobbed to ball hands inside the ball. I literally had a, an avulsion fracture. My thumb had to have surgery. So that was a major reason why I didn't get drafted. Um, but I was so sold out to that knob to ball staying inside of it that I literally broke my thumb. So I, I understand that method of hitting, um, the biggest turning point for me was when I actually got away from the game for a couple of years and got back to it and started looking at video and, and it, what I was seeing in the video of really good hitters was not matching up whatsoever with what I had always been taught. And it just blew up my whole world when it came to swing. Like Chris, I was very uh, approach focused. It was all about timing, understanding pitch sequences that was, I was not a good athlete, so I had to be good with my mind to survive and to compete. So it's funny how my whole playing life, including professional baseball, the lowest level of professional baseball, but whatever, I played professional Walmart baseball. First about, woo. So I made it as a five, realistically 5'10", five, 5'11", five, 180-pound poor athlete. I got to professional baseball, 
primarily because of my mental skills and then started seeing stuff in the swing that nobody was talking about. So I started talking about that a lot. Now I get labeled as a swing guy that doesn't do mechanic uh, approach at all. It's like everything works together and it's really frustrating, but I want to, I'm curious to hear kind of what has shaped and like modeled how you guys think about the swing and think about like how the bat's moving, how the, the launch angle, the stat cast, the, all the metrics that are available matter. Those things, it's like, you got to pay attention to them. They're real. But I want to know, for me, I had a very distinct turning point in my life with studying Albert Pools to swing. His hands were going up when I thought they should have been going down. Just blew up my whole model of the swing. Did you guys have any moments like that or, or realizations or was it studying video? Was it being in the cage? Like what, what were your triggers for how you teach and, and what you do with hitters? For, for, for me, should I kick it off, Bobby? Yeah, go ahead. Well, for me personally, I've, I'm, I've been blessed to work with a, a wide age range of hitters from little league guys. I always like to keep a couple of little leaguers around because they're extremely fun to work, work, work with. Um, they are an open book. They, they, the way that they view hitting and the way that their perception of what, what their imagination is as far as what they can become is way different than a guy that's in pro ball that if he hits 180 one time, he's fired. You know what I mean? And so working with like learning that how much information you have on a little league hitter and a player and what you have on a pro with a pro guy that I, that, that I would work with. Um, it's a completely that those two different training sessions couldn't be more different with a 12 year old kid that is facing subpar pitchers that are just trying to throw strikes. I am trying to uncork it. I'm trying to create the sequence that unlocks the power. I'm trying to turn fast. I'm trying to swing hard. I'm trying to do a, even that, like some of that Chaz Pippa type of stuff that people will go, man, that's crazy. No. And a young hitter, I am trying to have him hit bombs so that he falls in love with baseball and people clap for him and he can imagine himself being Mike Trout, right? I'm not going to, because if you think about what the best hitters in Little League do is they generally pick up they don't take fastballs for strikes usually ever the best hitters and they're they're pull side hitters they're not they don't fillet balls in the right field the best hitters in little league generally can pick up balls out of the throwing box really well and they pull they they go pull side and go yah yah all, all the time right um as the pitching gets better as the pitching gets better like with the pro guys like say Josh Palacios if he comes in with the guy with the Blue Jays if he comes if if he's comes for his off season He's got a, already a pretty good plan of what's gone on based on his season. And I could talk to the hitting coach, Guillermo Martinez or, 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 or Hunter Metz, some guys that work with him over there, and I say, hey, what are you guys going to work on this offseason? And they'll pretty much give me some stuff say, well, what, did you th- what, what do you think? For, what are you going to do with him? I said, well, we're going to do this, 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 and this. He says, well, or what do you think? How do you think he did? Well, he did well. He hit 275. They like eight jacks. He stole, swiped 20 bags or whatever. It seemed like he had a pretty good season. He was an all-star, whatever, and, and, and uh, double, triple A, whatever he was at. And they'll be like, yeah, but a lot of his, a lot of his uh, homers were on breaking balls. And a lot of his hits were on hard hit. They were hard hit, but they were infield hits. So I wouldn't know that information, right? I wouldn't know what that is. But I feel like you have so much more information, like from a, 
from a scouting perspective and data on, on the older guys that have books on them and stuff like that, we can say, Hey, this guy was really late on mediocre fastballs and we gotta, we gotta fix that. So it's, it's, it's a, it has to be a case by case basis, especially if I'm going by age and talent and ability level, but I'll pass it on. It's really good. Casey. I'll I'll go ahead. So I had a couple of turning points Um, as a player. Um, and I don't know if y'all know this. I, I actually went to a little tiny D2 school in the middle of nowhere in South Carolina. And I, I went there as a pitcher. Um, hit okay in high school, but it was very, you know, see the ball as deep as possible, stay inside the ball, hit the ball the other way, like, you know, ground balls, whatever. Um, and I hit okay in high school. But I get to uh, to college, and uh, my college coach, he, he knew I hit okay in high school, and he, he would let guys, you know, even the pitchers come in and hit BP. The very first day I was there, he literally looks at me. He's like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, what, like you're hitting backside ground balls. You're six, three, Like, what are you doing? And he was like, look, I need you to do this. Get the barrel out here, stay above the baseball and stop spinning. Like just transfer off your backside, get the head out. And it literally that day changed my life. Like ball started flying out of the yard and I went, he, he literally told me, he's like, Hey, you're not going to pitch and you're probably going to get drafted out of here as a junior. It was a D two school with 900 students. Okay. We had never had a player drafted ever. The school's been around for 130 years. I was like, Nick was, you're crazy. Okay. Well, the biggest thing with Nick, like, you notice there was no mechanics. It was literally hit the ball out front, like attack fastball, stay above the baseball. Like it was simple stuff. And it was all a pro. Everything we did in college was approach based. So that's too, so what you were saying about being approach based first. That's how I learned how to hit. I never saw my own swing on video until like 2012. And I'd been out of pro ball for like four years. Never seen it. Okay. When I, when I started having the aha moments about the swing itself and Tukes, so I'll give you a lot of credit is I started studying a lot of the stuff you were talking about. And it got me thinking like, as I was teaching, because I started, I started really coaching full-time in like 2008, 2009. And I, I started realizing the big things for me were like a high turn, creating separation and sequencing. Um, and, and everything that I've based off, you know, what I do is uh, at the end of the day, the ability to get the barrel in the zone for as long as possible with plate coverage uh, so that you have adjustability. Like literally that's it. Just get the barrel in the zone as long as possible, going as fast as possible and do it as repeatable as you can. That's everything I base my mechanics off of. Um, and so when I started seeing Pujols, obviously that was in his just heyday. His swing was a dude that I studied a ton and then seeing a lot of the stuff you were talking about. Uh, and me and Chavis actually modeled a lot of the stuff that he was doing when he first got drafted or when he was in high school um, after Donaldson and after Pujols, uh, we talked a lot about high turns. And then as I've gone forward and been able to work with guys that are in the big leagues and see stuff, uh, I would say revelations now at high, with high level hitters are understanding slack, um, understanding the ability to have launch quickness with adjustability uh, where you, you, you are able to marry the two where I can launch quickly, but I can also have adjustability and spend a lot of time in the zone. I don't have to do one or the other. Uh, because if I have to launch quick, but I'm in and out, I have, you know, I can't do anything. And if I'm in the zone forever, but I have slack, well, fastballs blow me up. You know, I can't hit anything above 92. So um, 
I think that's kind of the progression for me is I learned the approach, learned how simplified hitting can be. Um, and then also started to really dive in depth and I've done, I mean, I've used everything. I've got KVEST, I've got blast motion, I've got Repsoto hit tracks. And I, what I do is it's interesting. It's like, it's, you're using all these tools to prove basically either right or wrong what you're doing. It's, it's, it's checks and balances for you. It's like, Hey, look, okay, this is working really good. Um, and we're seeing the data that, that reinforces that or no, this, this is not helping the hitter. This is making it worse. And, uh, we need to adjust what we're doing. So, um, those are kind of the progressions for me and my career as a player and as a hitter. Um, but like I said, too, so I'll give you a lot of credit, man. Like when you were, when you were, you know, starting to talk a lot about this stuff in the, you know, in the early 2010s, like, um, you know, that was when I was really trying to grow as a, as a coach and, uh, trying to learn more. And, and a lot of that stuff was like, wow, like never thought about it that way, but that makes a lot of sense because then literally what we did is I filmed my own swing and I saw in my own swing things that I didn't feel, but now I, I was like, wow, I do that too. Didn't realize that that's awesome. And then I was able to put, okay, when I think down my barrel for me, I create better stretch and I turn high. Like I don't put, I'm not a pushy guy. You know, if I thought up, it didn't work for me. I would, I would sit, I would spin, I lost, you know, a lost direction. When I thought down, that upward climb that you talk about with Pujols' hands, that's what my that's what my body did when I thought literally hit a ground ball. Because I could think hit a ground ball to the second baseman and hit a pull side homer and never understood why that would happen. Um, and then once I started to, you know, dive into it as a coach and I started to figure out how I moved, and then that helped me talk to other hitters about, you know, how they move and what they think about and all that. So first of that's all, that's I awesome. I can't believe all three of you guys already have mentioned that you know big leaguers, which is just egregious in my opinion. God forbid any of you have ever talked or been in a cage with a big leaguer. Shame on you. Don't coattail these dudes because you can't take credit for it. Uh, anyway, beyond that, um, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it, Bobby. We're doing it. Well, so, let me let me just say something real quick. I want to say something serious. Hang on. I want to say thank you to Casey. I did not know that, and I appreciate that. Um, well, he's a good human. That's why good shit. it's good. I he's like first it. team all human. Like everybody in this conversation except me is first team all human. I'm a scumbag. But let's clarify the fact that so the the application process of this whole thing, right? Like we're talking about literally. I was just fortunate enough to be able to go apply it to my own career. I had a friend we've documented well enough, right? It's in a book for God's sakes. The, the guy wrote a book about a guy that obviously doesn't know anything about hitting Bobby, but Jared Diamond wrote the book and, and it's, it's well documented that I, I to, to your point, Casey, like I had no, I really had no idea like what I was doing. I didn't even know I was allowed to think about mechanics and Bobby was just stubborn enough to try to introduce a concept to me. What I will say is I knew that I didn't swing like the guys on TV. But my whole life, people kept pumping me and saying, like, you can't swing like the guys on TV because they're on TV. And it was annoying because, like, I literally couldn't leave to right center if my life depended on it. I couldn't do it. Could not do it. And I, it was the only thing I wished to do. Every ball I hit hard was to the left of second base. It was – it's ridiculous how different I am now than what I was in 2007 as a member of the Worcester Tomatoes or whatever we were called. So my point is – I was fed the same stuff. I'm sure a lot of you guys were fed when we were young and it, it didn't work. And I just wish somebody had given me a chance at a younger age. I wish somebody had given me a chance to understand it. 
And this is kind of what I want to lead the conversation to. Do you feel like for everyone, uh, do you guys feel like young players have a chance to understand this stuff and like, let it apply? Cause I really do. Like, I, I'm like, I don't want to not give them a chance to understand it. So I'm going to do as good a job as I can trying to explain it and help educate them. Um, the, world, so, the world has changed so much. Yeah, it has. So you, you have a couple of things going on. Um, and I think this is what I see on a daily basis is it's out there that the, the good information is out there. If the players want it, number one, number two, they just have to have guidance as to what information is good and what information is bad. Um, I, I think what I see is the players that are hungry to get better are able to absorb the information better. Uh, the players that are not will hear the information but won't apply it. But you also have to be able to filter it and take a kid that's like, okay, he doesn't he doesn't need to know everything that he's doing. He needs a simple thought. Like, hey, like your thought is right center or your thought is stay above the ball or whatever and then let his body take over like that kid i told you that came in that's a the the draft prospect kid like it was literally like hey try to control your backside a little bit and maintain your posture and one of my other coaches was in there and he was like hey like what about this what about this what about? and i'm like he doesn't need to think about that he doesn't need to know that it's going to, it's going to interfere with what he's doing because he's going to do it naturally. And so you have to, I think you have to be careful with what you give kids because you can get information overload because there's so much out there. Uh, but I also think the game has accelerated at such a rate that I have hitters that are 14 years old right now that move better than big leaguers 20 years ago. Like they do, they, their swings are better. It doesn't mean they could hit in the big leagues. What I'm saying is mechanically, if you watch them move, they have a better understanding of their body and their swing and what they're capable of doing at 14 years old than a big leaguer 25, you know, 25, 20 years ago. If you'd have asked them what they did, they would have no clue. So, and I think that's what's happening in the game. And the biggest reason it has to happen is because the pitching is, is outrunning us so bad that if young hitters don't learn how to move as efficiently as possible, whether it's a simple thought or a complex thought, whatever that hitter needs at young ages, when they get to higher levels, the pitching absolutely dominates them. And I've got some guys that have come out of the, even the sec right now that have gone into pro ball and been like, Holy crap. Like what I, I dominated the sec and now I'm struggle bussing in the minors. I don't understand why. And it's like, well, bro, you had a metal bat and midweek pitching and you know you ambushed good you know with a good approach and you can't get away with it anymore against guys throwing 97 every single day with a wood bat like it just you just can't and so I, I think that there's almost like a necessity for information uh it's just the application of it yeah and I think the the players like the 14 year old you're talking about their grasp of it is normal for them mm -hmm. where where the older generations everything that's being introduced to them is foreign to them it's like learning a new language and they're like why do i need to even learn this i didn't need it the game you know the game it's it's almost changed so much that it's even when i watch the game sometimes with all the shifts and the the, the relief pitchers it's like 
the game's almost unwatchable sometimes when I watch big league games. It's just like it's tough to watch. When you look at things like spin rates, I was talking about spin rates and using different bats and having different swings based on who you're facing in 2015. And people were like, you are out of your mind. Why would you ever do that? I'm like, because if a guy's blowing you up with a four seam with, with ride, why would you not make an adjustment? You're just going to take the same swing and go sit on the bench and make outs. But this is also the Nobody same. was ready for the conversation, though. Nobody was ready for the conversation. They were telling all the pitchers. Nobody was telling the hitters. So you had this, like, divide of information where all the pitchers were learning this stuff, like, hey, here's how to get guys out. Here's how to get guys out. Tunnel this with this and use rap soda to figure out how to make a ball move like this. And nobody's telling the hitters at all. <laughs> so now we've got a generation of kids that are going to grow up learning about spin rates and learning about their bodies and being in the weight room and developing awareness. Um, it, it's so different now. I, and I just want to circle back to something you said earlier about finding, finding the thoughts for the kids. Like when you get in the cage with a hitter, so much of that time is spent figuring out what they need to think about. Like when I would get in the cage with Chris, I would just make a stupid face at him or like touch my nose. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, I gotcha. Cause it was like, uh, you get this, you can talk just through body language and he would know exactly what I was saying without even saying anything. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a weird generation right now. There's, it's not going to well, stop. It's not going to go backwards. Think about it this much. way. If if you gave your 80-year-old grandfather a brand new iPhone, okay, and handing him, it was like showing him all the stuff and all the stuff he could do, be like, I don't need this. Like, well, well, well you could you use this for directions. Like, I don't need to know the directions. Like, I can look at a map, and he's going to get frustrated and be like, get this thing away from me. Like, I don't need it. And then I could go hand my three-year-old an iPhone, and he's going to open it up and know how to play the games on it and like know how to do whatever, make a phone call. And he's three years old. What's because they're grown, they've grown up in it. They understand it. Like, and so that's where you get to separate. It's like, it doesn't mean the technology is bad. It's just people from an earlier generation didn't grow up with it. So they're not comfortable with it. You know, what it I'll them- say you know what I'll say that though? There's nothing wrong with the 80 year old using the map, like, or using no. sixth sense or whatever it is. If There's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. This, this is kind of the point, right? Like the game I think the game is failing to define what good is. I think it's doing a poor job of defining what good is for hitting. And I mean that the implication is at the youth level too, right? I think everybody on this conversation, one of the things I love about Ferbs and what, what his hitters, one of the things he talked about, he talked about not missing fastballs, not taking fastballs in the zone at a young age. It's about understanding what it means to be good. And it's holding players to a standard of, Hey, look, there's dudes striking out at a 30 whatever percent clip in the big leagues because to your point, Casey, they're pretty electric. I remember standing in the box. People ask me who the nastiest pitcher I ever faced was. And it's funny because there's a difference between stuff and pitcher. But I remember facing Joe Kelly for the first time, and he threw me a slider for strike one and a, and a two-seamer uh, on the black away at 100. I think it was either 100 or 101. And I remember turning around and laughing. And Ryan Hannigan was behind on play, and he's like, what are you laughing at? I was like, is this guy serious with that? <laughs> Am I supposed to hit that? <laughs> but, so, so the point is, like, I literally, I conceded in that moment. I got 0-2 on two ridiculous pitches. Now, Joe, if Joe Kelly threw more strikes, he'd probably be the best pitcher ever. But 
what I'm saying is I had to learn how to combat that and counteract it because I wasn't going to concede to Joe Kelly. If Joe Kelly gets 0-2 and then makes another really good strike ball slider pitch, like I'm out. Like I know that. But I'm going to figure out how to combat that my next at bat. I'm going to figure out, okay, do I need to ambush this guy? Okay, is he throwing predominantly first pitch sliders? So, and, and I can take more pitches early in the count and get myself to 2-0 counts. And I ended up hitting Kelly well because I got to ambush fastball counts because he would get 2-0 more often than not. So the point is, how do we define what good is for young players and say, like, look, you have to be able to get off on this fastball at age 16 or whatever it is. You just, you got to be able to get off on it and hit it hard somewhere. And then, like, also, let's hold these dudes to a standard about getting hits is, being, is important. Like, getting hits is important. Let's not forget that. Like, can the game stop pushing to the younger generation that getting hits is not cool or hitting for average is not good? Because it is. Because if you can't hit for average when you're young, then you certainly have no chance of hitting for average when you're older. So I, I think that's part of, like, the paradigm that I've seen shifted that kind of bothers me a little bit. But, Ferbs, do you think most of your guys – are like hungry to hit 300 or hit 400 or in batting races against one another? Like, would you say that happens with your teams? I would say six out of 10 of them are like that. I would also say there's some guys on the fringes that are more concerned with getting a college scholarship than they are about performing well and winning a game. Um, it, it's, it's tough in this generation because, you know, when you add in all these metrics and all the showcase stuff to be able to get noticed, there's such a high emphasis on it that when kids go out and they're thinking about, you know, there's 25 different colleges, you know, behind the backstop right now. And if I go three for four this game with two doubles and a jack, like that could change my complete life path. I could go to the school that nobody in my family has ever been able to make it to. And I have the connection with the coach and everything, but now he's at the game. And now my now his attention is completely focused somewhere else. And we all know that's not a good place to be when <laughs> you're in the middle of a game. But I mean, some of the things, one of the most interesting things to me about this generation of not only, um, you know, how we teach hitting, because I think there's a big confusion on playing baseball and teaching baseball. There's a, like some kind of confusion on that, like guys that play and guys that teach it or whatever. But what coach you have and what team you're playing for. I have guys that play for me during the summer that their high school coach has a complete, he values something completely different in his hitters. He's giving them the exact opposite directions that I'm giving them. You know, like some of my guys have a huge issue with swinging and missing. They, 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 and, and it's good in some ways, but if it's taken to a point that it's overboard and they OD on the thought, they end up not getting any swings off and looking for perfect, perfect thigh high, dead red, dick high strikes. And it just, they, they don't get them. So I'll give you a perfect example is that like, there's, there's, there's two different styles of, of teaching. When I, when I talk to my guys about making adjustment things, there was a kid, Eric Becker. Um, he's committed to UVA, really good lefty stick. I think um, Casey, you remember Eric, right? Yeah. He's a stud. Stud, dude, like 6'2", great body, throws mid-90s across the diamond. It's 2021. You can't be saying kids have great bodies, dude. Come on, bro. <laughs> so, anyway, the guy's got a real pretty swing. It's kind of like Seeger-ish, like, looking in a way. And um, he was 
struggling. Like when you say struggling, like he was struggling early on in the season. And I let guys struggle typically. You know, there's a lot of guys that try to every after every at bat. Yeah, I see this a lot in college is that a guy will strike out or, or, or hit a fly ball or pop up or something. And then literally 10 seconds later, the coaches, you see the coach like talking to him in his ear about it. He's like, man, at least let the guy be pissed off for a little while and focus on what he's doing or whatever. And then maybe talk to him later. I don't know. I don't personally coach like that, but there are coaches that do that. So this kid, um, Eric, what I looked at, all I was looking at was how many, the only thing I was tracking was not his average. I was tra tracking um, his quality of bats and how many fastballs he took for strikes in games. What we found out over like a seven or eight game stretch is that he was getting off like one A swing per at bat, one. And if he fouled it off or whatever, he, he, he just was more tentative in swinging. He just didn't want to swing and miss that bad because of probably information he was getting somewhere else. I could have went to mechanical stuff at that point. I could have went, which a lot of coaches, I think, if he went into some facilities and say, it's got to be your mechanics, dude, if you're swinging and missing balls that are like that. And before I went there, I just said to him, this is what I'm telling you. For the next 30 at-bats, OK, the only goal I said, you got a pretty swing, dude. You got to swing more. Your only goal is to get three healthy swings off on every single A-B for the next 30 at bats. I don't care. You're not leaving the order. You're going to bat third. If you strike out 30 times, then you strike out 30 times. You're not going anywhere. Within about three at bats, like the first one, he got like two help. Said if you're gonna swing three times, you're probably looking first ball anywhere. Like you're picking a half, and if it's there, you're gonna take a half, right? And he started swinging the bat more. Started getting more hard contact. Started getting more aggressive. Started feeling more intent. Started feeling better. He learned himself without any without anybody really telling him anything mechanically because he's a good athlete and he's talented. Now, if I don't ever give him the freedom of doing that if, as a field coach or as a, as, a, as a coach of a team and I don't say that and I say, no, dude, hit the ball on the ground, man, and just leg it out, you know, or, or whatever. Take Dial it back. Do something. I don't, know what, I don't know what guys tell guys. You know what I mean? But he ended up crushing homers. He was hitting doubles and triples, and he was feeling great about himself. And there was no talk of mechanics. But there are some times when you do have to talk about mechanics. But I just – Wanted to, wanted to, you know, make the point of it, it, it's really tough these days because kids play for so many different teams. So not only are they getting the different Internet stuff and YouTube stuff, but they're getting different coaches that say, no, do this. No, do that. So it's tough. And then you're trying to impress those coaches every day. Let's not forget that most young kids are trying to impress the dude that they're playing for. Like that happens all the time. I, I, how many college kids? I, I, we, I just had a bunch of college kids come in for testing last week for some of the Pelotero stuff. And the dialogue I've had with him, like, stop playing for him. Stop. You don't have to because he wants you to succeed. And he might be saying something to you to try to help you succeed. The message is probably not coming across the way you need it. So by and large, you're, you're resenting it or trying to live up to it. And then you turn to me because we have a cool relationship because I'm not worried about the team winning games. I'm just worried about you. So the paradigm between private coach and team coach is completely different. But what you do for really well is you allow these guys to go out and say, hey, it's okay if you mess up. I know you're good at baseball. That's why you're on my team. And I know you're a great kid. Like, give them room to fail so that they can learn better from it, right? Instead of, you know, holding them to standards that are, are just literally absurd.
right? Like just, oh, you 0 for 4, you're out the lineup. You know, that's like, that'll shatter a guy. It'll shatter him. I watched it happen. It happened to me. I've, I've, I've felt it happen. I've seen it happen in professional baseball. It's like, like that's the standard we're holding people to then. You're leading to a lot of bad psyche. You want you want to do it now? You guys want to go in on it now? I mean, we can. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, and we're all going to be way more polite than we probably need to be, <clears throat> or not. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that dude, that's the that's the that's the thing is like, I've well, okay, yeah. Okay. I usually try to hold my tongue, but we'll we'll see what happens. Let's so let's, let's, let's let's intro go. the topic right for anybody that was alive this weekend and in the hitter twitting hitter. Twitter, 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 Hitter, Twitter, Hitter sphere. Did it? And, side note: I own the domain name hittingtwitter.com. Should I activate that? Yeah, activate that. So, Twitter would probably sue me if I tried to do that. Yeah, but anybody that's in the social media sphere, right? So obviously, and I, I, I contemplated coming up with this timeline, right? I was going to come up with this timeline, like when Jeff Fry decided to be relevant in the hitting world. And it started probably, what, 18 months ago, the first time he went after Shank, right? He went after Rich, basically, and and started talking smack about, you know, internet hitting guys. But really, he was referencing Rich the whole time. He, and- he went after a lot of people. He did, like, a top 10 list of worst drills, of, like, worst drills that he saw on the internet that year or something like that. Yeah, but his initial focus was predominantly, from, like, an individual standpoint, was on on Richard. Right. And it, it was funny for like a little while. I think all, I think I, I thought it was funny. I laughed. I played golf with Jeff a few years back when I was in Toronto and he didn't really say much. It was me, Price, Mark Lowe. It's because I was in the big leagues. I played with those guys. Um, so he didn't really say much, seemed like a decent guy. And uh, then he, he went in on, on, on Rich and then it, it was funny. I think everybody laughed and whatever. And somehow Y'all two got involved in this and like, you know, you apparently Casey, you're not allowed to wear one leg sleeve. That's just not. So not I can't, I can't wear a backwards hat. I, I apparently am not allowed to have any type of medical procedure done that would uh, force me to wear yeah. compression, uh, compression, compression sleeves to keep me from bleeding out of my leg. Yeah. Um, and, and still continuing to grind it out in a hundred degree heat in my cages uh, but you know, that's apparently that's a bad influence on, on young hitters. Um, you know, I, I got and the backwards hat thing clearly. The, like, yeah. The backwards hat, you know, it's, it's weird when I got a bald ass head and I got tired of getting hit in the face by baseballs coming off the top of my cage. You know, I, I, I like to wear my hat backwards because I can see the ball coming off the top of the cage. So I I'm sorry with all of the, the young hitters lives that I've ruined because of my, my terrible choice of attire. Yeah. Um, I know that there's probably kids that could have been in the big leagues, but at some point they turned their hat around backwards and they got cut because of it. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's real shame. And I'm, I'm glad that I got called out on that because I'm going to change going forward. I'm and surprised he hasn't gone in on DJ Ferbs yet. I don't know why I, I, I was, I was talking to Bobby about, I mean, the, the, the weird thing to me is that I have relationships with all you guys. I I respect every one of you guys in this chat. I've learned so much from hitting from all three years. Like, 
different things that I've never thought about. I was just having a conversation with Bobby today earlier because I posted a video of Vladdy taking BP. And I was like, the first thing I saw when everybody, I was like, yo, Chris, if Chris looked at this, he'd see something totally different. Cause Bobby hit me up and he said, Hey, Ferbs, he said, um, he goes, is it cool if I use that video of Vladdy that, that, that you posted? And I, I was looking at a, a, his game swing and I wanted to show what the timing of his BP and how it was relevant to his game swing and what the differences were. I think it would help a lot of young hitters out to look at what, what the differences in his timing with BP and, and the game. And I was like, Bobby, I said, you're a sick individual. You know that you, you took a video that everybody else in the world was just going, man, it's Vladdy Jr. in lasers. You know what I mean? They're just looking at Vladdy Jr. and his braids all, all died. And, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's Vladdy, MVP season and this and that. Right. And me, when I looked at it, I was just looking through old stuff that I had. I, I, the first thing I saw was this dude is super early on his gather because I was working with some hitters that were looking at like they were like all day the day before that that same day that were super late on a hack machine that was like simulating like 82 miles an hour and everybody was just like super late and I'm like and then I looked at Vladdy's and I was like well there you go you know what I mean and the it, it's Bobby took it a step further and was just like I'm gonna loop this onto his his game swing to see the difference but it's continually learning but it's sharing information right that the key to the whole thing is there's really two different types of people in this world right the people that are shysty with information the people that are very protective with information they're they 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 feel like because they they have all the they can't learn anymore right they're they're not open to learning so whatever knowledge they have they have to hold on to it tight i have this drill right I'm not going to share it with anybody because if I do, then they might take credit for my drill, my drill design, those type of people. And then there's other people that go, no, man, I'm going to continue to just feed out as much as possible because there's always something new I can learn. I can always come up with something new for, for an individual hitter. Right. So the guys that are very, those guys that are eager to share information, like the three guys, the four guys that are on here that share information continually. Then there's the guys that those guys are generally very easy with creating rapport, right? With other people, they generally um, are good at networking, right? These are all common factors with the same people that are that are into sharing information. The other dudes that are shysty with information generally have a hard time building relationships with people. They don't trust hardly anybody. They have big big issues with trust. These are just like personality traits, and this is what I, I I've noticed on the internet when I was wondering, when I said, I could see like, you know, the, the personality that Rich has, I know Rich too, right? Do I, would I walk hand, would I hold his hand and walk down the beach with him? No, I probably wouldn't spend one minute of my time with the guy. But if there's a piece of information in whatever his stuff is, if I'm open to learn, if I'm truly a really good coach and I care, I'm not shutting anything out. And guess what? Even if you're a jerk, I can still learn from you. Even if you're an asshole, I can still learn from you. I'll still take your information. And, and if it's going to make my player better, but if all I'm looking for is differences, then that's what I'm going to find. Right. If, if I'm looking for similarities, I'm looking, well, you know what? Me and Casey, the dude's from Alabama, right? He's got $200,000 worth of armed arm, uh, weapons, uh, AR-15s and crazy stuff in his house. He, he's a Southern guy with, 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 that speaks... Right. Oh, me, loud. 
I'm, I'm a Puerto Rican Jew from Brooklyn, right? Are you going to think? Is that, like, legal? Yeah. They used to call me Juan Epstein back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, couldn't be two opposite people. But for some reason, because we both think alike and are eager to share information, it just clicks, dude. It just works. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't... I don't pay much attention also that the last thing, one of the things that I really, you know, about the whole fry situation, I don't really know the guy. I never met him. Right. I never, all, all you basically have on social media or the internet is your opinion of what somebody else is without ever meeting them at all, which to me, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. And I personally, I put a lot of hitters on social media. I put a lot of hitters um swings out there for people to critique for people to look at for people to learn from for people to bash whatever now if anybody on this conversation right here that's here in this zoom wants to critique one of my hitters i'm okay with it because you put out your own information you work with hitters you you can post a swing of a guy you can talk about it or whatever it is and you're okay with doing that you guys are putting out podcasts putting out um, approaches, you know, things that knowledge that, that you've learned over the years, your experience, personal life experience, whatever it is. If you're not going to post one hitter that you work with, you're not part of my conversation. You can't be because I'm not even, I, I'm not, I, you're not allowing anybody to do anything else. I can just sit here and just look at flaws all day and be a flaw finder, but I don't think it's a valid conversation with somebody that doesn't, unless you, you're, you're willing to post your own hitters, and so everybody else can take cracks at them. Then I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna get to the, that, that part of the conversation. Herbs, the one thing. The first time I met you, I was like, I can't wait to see what this guy's all about. We went at uh, Boston College, and yeah, I was. You always surprise me because you're like on on Instagram. You're almost like a cartoon character where you're doing the crispy stuff and my guy, and you're doing your Millie rocks and you're doing all your stuff. And then we'd be watching the game. You'd be like, hey, watch the, watch the catcher right here. Watch the second baseman back this up. What do you think he's going to do in this situation? Just laying all this baseball stuff in. I'm like, wait a second. I thought he was just an Instagram guy that was having some fun. But you you really think about the game and you really care about your kids. And I, I really respect that about you. And you, you just continue to surprise me, which I like. Make me laugh a lot, too. That was all. That was outstanding. I love that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate about it. And not, not to blow your trumpet or anything like that. This isn't that, that kind of thing. But what I will say is that, is that, is that from my, it, it's odd to me when my interaction with you has been nothing but man, Bobby's been a pure gentleman to me. Anytime I call the guy and ask him anything about anything and his opinion, he always picks up the phone. If he says he's going to be somewhere, he's going to be there. If he says, if I say, Bobby, I need to borrow a hit tracks. I mean, it's bad, whatever. I mean, I got, I got to get it to somebody. I don't have one for this event. Can you get Chris to, to bring one down? And you say, yes, you show up. Chris shows up, right? Like I have to be, um, so I found it very odd that somebody would just out of nowhere take a crack at you because it was just foreign to me. Like, well, he hasn't done anything to me. So, and listen, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. If you ask them, you said, hey, what's up with Ferbs? They'd say, oh, that guy's a clown. He's a, he's a piece of shit. He's a jerk off. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? But they haven't met me. They don't right? know you. And that's, I think, huh? They don't know you. They didn't, right. they didn't take the time. They didn't care to take the time, right? They just did. 
it's about authenticity boys when it comes down to it right and it's about being authentic and i'll i'll concur with the cartoon statement Ferbs, because I, you're you're hysterical in so many good ways and then i get to know you and I, it's genuine man casey i'll say the same thing about you it's so clear it's so belligerently obvious that you are authentic in everything you do like my first the way i first came to find out about you was through michael michael went through the same stupid thing that I had to go through in, in, in the big leagues. And like, I, I built a relationship with Michael through that. And we talked a little bit about you. I found out I hit with you. And then I found out you're friends with Ferbs and Anthony Pasolacqua and people that were connected to. And I'm like, I can't wait to meet this guy. Cause I know if like, I know if you're boys with Ferbs, then you're boys with me. And I, same thing with, if you're boys with Bobby, you're going to be my boy. Like it. And, and that's the, you know, people talk about brotherhood and baseball and that's, what it's it's supposed to be right that's what it's meant to be but here we are in this world of like hey let's go bash somebody and look it it might be an agenda to try to gain following it might be you know feeling irrelevant in the game it might be feeling left behind it might be not liking the direction the game's going but like to try to to like honestly you know like i said jeff started by attacking rich right for the most part and then Rich is, he's a difficult personality. So Rich attacks people and, and, and that's just what it turns into. And it turns into this bad car accident, right? You're just staring at a bad car accident and they don't want to have dialogue. They just don't. And, and the problem with the two of them is they end up clashing to the point where nothing ever gets resolved. It's been like a year and a half of like the same narrative, like, Oh, launch quickness and snap and, this and and then fry goes don't listen to what he says because it's brutal just go do what your little league coach tells you to do and have fun and it's like and then they go after each other constantly and then somehow the guys that i respect the most and you know without bobby i, I don't become a big league right like i just it, there's no shot of it happening because he just introduced a new way to me and casey i'm sure like i've talked to michael at length and i would love to talk to more of your guys to to understand I, I i told you the analogy i loved you you presented the analogy about the on-ramps and it was spectacular it was a, just a wonderful way of explaining a concept that you know how we're gonna get the hands to work toward where we want them to work when we're hitting balls that are outside middle and inside and you know you got a comment from josh like concurring and understanding and agreeing on that's josh donaldson by the way i don't know if anybody knew that uh, he used to be on my team. No, I was on his team, actually. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, like, the whole point is it's authentic. It's genuine. We care to, like, help grow. Like, it's like, let's grow together. Instead of, like, people just want to rip each other down. And we can be much more controversial. And we can be we can be, we can be asses, too, if we want to be. Like, there's no, like, but we're going to save that for our own private talks when we have banter amongst each other. Because, like, look, I from one standpoint like yeah jeff i get it you don't like the way the way the way the game's going bobby said it sometimes baseball's unwatchable we've all felt the same way Ferbs, we're talking about dudes hitting third hitting a buck 60 in the show it's like what, what are we doing like what like what's the point like what is the is the game the same game we grew up playing but ultimately we're all here together and we're going to be friends and we're probably going to be friends for a lifetime because we care about the same things and ultimately care about passing the message along the right way, I think. And I'll tell you what, the stuff that happened this weekend was just continued to reaffirm like the, the nonsense that 
they stand for. And that's, that's fine. If that's the way they choose to go about it. We're here to talk. I think, I think we're all here to willing to have a conversation, right? Well, yeah, Let me ask. Go ahead, Case. Well, I was yeah, going to so say I, one thing, Case, before I'll lead, I'll lead you into this case. I was just going to talk about something between me and you is that the, the, the guys that I, I really get down with, I think the most are the guys that they admit willingly that they don't know everything about a certain thing. It's really, it's really, it's really that simple. Like I will, I, I will look at a, a, I'll be working with a hitter for six months. And after a while, you, you almost stuff starts to blend in and you're not seeing what you're looking for. You're, you're doing your checkpoints on the hitter. And I, I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. Right. There was a guy, there was a kid stud 21, 22 year old kid uh, for the Braves. Remember him case. And I told him I switch hit him. Switch yeah, hitter. We're, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to say his name, but yeah, no, we're not gonna say here. his name. He was here we're last not, week. Yeah. We're not going to say his name, but he, you know, I spoke to him and um, multiple times and I was looking at video and stuff. And I said, look, dude, I, I, I would love to help you, but the guy that you really need that, that can sit and, and look through this stuff and slow it down and, and do it because that's not my specialty is Casey. Let me, let me connect you with him. And there's a lot of coaches that it would end. It just would end with me trying to help this guy and not helping him just out of pride. Right. I, I just can't bear the fact that Casey Smith knows more about hitting mechanics than I do. Right. I can't, like, I can't look in the mirror. Why? It, it makes no sense. Right. But instead, like I would think a normal person would do is say, Hey, look, man, I got a guy that, can, that I can connect you with and help you. They connect, they start hitting together. The guy starts doing better. Everybody, everybody wins. But it's like, again, going back to that thing of if I want to put my stamp on everything, first of all, I don't even know how these, how guys are have enough time to like go search for all these bad drills on the internet and like edit them. And what are you doing? And, and I'm too busy working with hitters, dude, trying to make guys better. I don't have time to be looking around at what other people are doing wrong. Now I might see some crazy shit on the internet and I might DM one of you guys and say, dude, this looks wild. I'm not going to blast it out on, on and, and, and totally flame the guy and violate him. You know, because you know what? It's not my business. I, I can look at it and go, that's certainly not something I'm going to do with my hitters. But, you know, I'm, it's another, it's a whole nother thing, like actively searching for that. It's like Joe Torre. If you want to look at the best hitters in the league, let's look at the best managers of the game, the best coaches. You want to talk about the best coach. I never saw Joe Torre get into some type of a battle argument with another coach. It's too busy creating Hall of Famers and winning, you know, winning, winning, winning World Series. He doesn't have time. But anyway, go ahead, Case. Yeah, so you just you just hit on a couple of things. So number one, um, you know, it, we you talked about like having the conversation and like, you know, being able to admit when you don't know everything. Like, like, got guys. I teach a lot of stuff. None of what I teach is my information. Like, I learned it from somewhere else too. So, like I told you, like I learned a ton from watching your stuff. Like, I. I and Nate Headley is one of my best friends. He's also, I feel like one of the best hitting coaches in the country. I played with his brother, Chase. Hey, CC, he was in the big leagues. Does that, does that give me, he was in the, he was in the big leagues. Oh my God. All right. So me and Chase were really cool. We, we got drafted together in, in uh, 05 with San Diego. And then me and Nate developed a relationship. The, the, the 
highway exits analogy. That's his analogy. I learned it from him. Like the, all the shit that I teach, it's stuff I learned from somebody else that I'm lucky enough to have been around that person, whether it be a player or a coach to absorb that information and then figure out how to communicate it to another player to help them at the right time. It's not my information. People have been hitting baseballs for 150 years. I didn't figure this out. This is not something I did. Like all I do is just communicate it the best way I see possible the way that's it. All right. And so, you know, you, you like, I, I just, I can't figure out why people think that they're recreating something like it's not new. It's just a different way to communicate it. And you're building on the, on what other people have done before you like that. That's it. Like, I, I don't know. And so, no, but Ferbs, you were, you were, um, you were talking about like uh, the, the pro guys, like I, and, and two, you could talk about this too. With what I do, I don't have the luxury of having bad information because if I have bad information with my top guys, there's millions of dollars on the line. Like I, I, I don't, and I don't have all the information. And so I luckily, and now, now this network is growing between you and Chris, like, and, and it's got Furbs and I've got Marcelino and, and Headley and Joey Lewis at the hit lab. Like if I've got an issue with a hitter, I don't expect me to have all the answers. And so I send video to my dudes and go, Hey, what do y'all got? And what's great is when I get back reaffirming information that I'm on the right track or they see something that I didn't see that I can be like, Hey, and go back to the hitter and be like, we got on this. Like, this is what my boy said. What do you think about this? Whatever. And, and give them the opportunity to sort through other ways of thinking about it because I know I don't know everything. And I think that's where a coach has to understand. Like if you want to help your players the best, the first thing you got to do is be able to look in the mirror and be like, you can't do it all by yourself. If you think you can, you're, you're going to fail your players. And so that that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm, I'm lucky as hell to have a group of dudes that, like I said, I'm super excited to now bring you guys into where I can pick up the phone and be like, Hey man, I need some help. Like I got a kid, I got a hitter. This is what he's thinking. This is what he's feeling. This is what he's going through. What do you see on the video? Like, what do you got? And, and be able to admit when I don't know everything. Awesome. I, uh, I want to touch on something you just said there. Both of you. Oh my goodness. I knew we were going to be friends. Like, <laughs> something you clearly don't know everything because you have your hat on backwards. So, I mean, let's just start. <laughs> I just, I want to point out something that you were talking about with, uh, with you, with communication. And I think we were talking about this before we started recording or maybe Ferbs mentioned like, Oh, you throw a K vest on them, kick out a report and just hand it to the player. I, I very frequently like ask myself, like, how are people using technology? I don't understand how they're using it because technology video to me is simply a communication tool. If, if I get a launch angle number, it's a communication tool. If I'm looking at a video analysis, if I'm breaking down a swing, I'm trying to connect what I'm seeing to what that player's thinking and what they're feeling so we can make adjustments. It's not about like, Optimize. People talk about optimization. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You're not talking about optimization. Like, yeah, we want to get better, but I'm not going to try to 
fit you in this mold that says you need a perfect swing sequence with this metric, with this and blah, blah. It's not about that at all. It's, it's really just, it's using it so that your eyes and the athlete's eyes are seeing the same thing and you can find common ground. And it's like a translation tool where it's like, Hey, that thing I was telling you about with this part of your body, this is what I'm seeing. What are you feeling? What is that? Like, what thoughts do you have at that point in the swing? What do you feel when that's happening? Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's experiment with it. Let's, you know, change your grip up. Let's change your elbow position. Like it's all about experimenting and finding better always. So then when I see like, I see stuff on, on social and it's like, Oh, here's a, he's, he's better because his metrics got better. I was like, what are you talking? I don't care what the metrics say. <laughs> like, did he, is he, is he more successful in games? Can he compete better? Is his margin for error up. Like, does he have a better chance to compete when he sucks? Is hitting more fun for him? Is well, hitting too. more fun? Yeah. Is hitting more fun? I, I, I'll never forget this. Uh, shout out to Danny Rolfing from uh, played with me in double AA, a triple uh, a with the twins. I'll never forget this. Danny came to hit with us. And then when he was taking BP the next year, he goes, dude, BP is so much more fun than it used to be. Because like, I used to have to force things to happen in BP. I was literally forcing outcomes. I was like having to like force carve balls to right field. And, and I watched Danny have the best year of his career that year because this combination of things like this confidence and, and the fun that he was having playing baseball and this marriage of mechanics and approach, right? Like, I say this all the time, having a better swing allowed me to take my happy zone from here to here. And it allowed, and for the podcast, I went from softball size to basketball size, and it allowed me to be more adjustable from looking heater to hitting a breaking ball, hitting a changeup, and not having to, to force things to happen within those. Like there were times in my career or before that, where I felt like if I wasn't if I wasn't hunting breaking ball or if I didn't check early enough and, and, and get set, then I couldn't hit that pitch where I, I, I can't tell you how many times since Tukes and I first had the, the first session in the cage in Nashville, New Hampshire, where he was telling me to tip the barrel toward the pitcher. And I thought I was breaking a law in the state of New Hampshire and federal law. I thought it was federal crime to point the bat at the pitcher. And, uh, I've hit more sliders that I was swinging at a heater and then it turns into a slider and I'm like, Oh, cool. I just created depth and length and, 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 and extension that allowed the ball to go 450 feet. Like you, we can ask Edison Volquez about what that felt like in the, in the ALCS. Cause that, yeah, I, this, we have a counter Casey for how many Homer stories that I told. This is my only one during this podcast. Um, <laughs> so we're going to chalk it at one. At ABCA, we actually had a pitch counter every yeah, time. Pitch you counter. Dropped it got but it got absurd like you were like if i said you know blue lollipop it turned into oh cc told the homer story i was like yeah i know i'm good i had a blue lollipop and i homered I, what do you want me to do but anyway i i've I, i've i love this conversation I, I i honestly hope the entire hitter hitter sphere hitter twitter sphere could listen to all of it and i challenge anybody who really wants to do well for the game to listen to it. And I'll continue to promote the same things that I've promoted. And I hope that all these dudes can have dialogue with us because at the end of the day, I think there's something to be learned from everyone. And, and, and I I've learned from you two guys tonight and I love doing this. So I look forward to so much more of it. Is that weird? I, 
and I'm the only big leaguer on the call too. <laughs> I'm willing to learn from all three of you. That's crazy. Egregious almost. Heck, I probably, I wouldn't have got to the big leagues if it wasn't for a lot of this stuff and for the relationship. Like I, I you know, I know there's guys, Casey, that rely on you in the big leagues firms. I know there's guys that rely on you. Heck, I, I you know, I talked to Josh Palacios and, and guys that you, you were around and, and it's awesome. It's awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful you guys are, are in our lives and I look forward to all the, all the damage we can do together moving forward. And by damage, I mean. I got, I don't, I don't have any more homers in my tank. I didn't have many to begin with. So. Well, we can help other people. Hit. I did take I, Ferber deep though. And uh, on hit tracks one time. Yeah. That yeah after he hit me four times. <laughs> I was throwing cutters, dude. Hey, I got my BP. I got my BP back a little better now. That's no, good. I can't That's wait good. We're all together more often. Yeah. So I guess this is a good time to to announce, I guess, that we're we're doing we're planning an event at ABCA. So if you're at ABCA, I should have plugged this at the beginning, but we'll do more promo for it. ABCA the Thursday, we're gonna be doing an event. We're gonna get together. Get the band together and uh, hang Woo. out. Have a good session. Uh, we'll be demoing some Pelotero stuff. Details to be TBD, but uh, we're gonna get together and we're gonna. One thing that that happened this weekend that I didn't like was I saw a bunch of people like, "Oh, hitting Twitter's trash. It's a cesspool." And I don't like. Like I have, I don't. I mean, I don't have a ton of followers, but I have a decent amount of followers, and I forget sometimes. You don't if have I as many as Casey. Out. Well, I forget you when you tweet stuff out, it goes to a pretty large audience. So I didn't, I, I never want to create a negative environment. Um, I felt like I needed to stand up for myself and somebody calls my character into question. I'm going to, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand on that. So um, the event that we're going to do is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be good vibes. It's going to be positive. And uh, ultimately we just want to help the game. That's, I think, is the unifying factor here is we all care about the game. We all care about players that we work with. We want to make the bank, the game better. Uh, who so. on this call? If, if, hey, have you lost sleep when one of your players struggled first? Have you like, bro, bro, hold on, hold on. I, I'm going to interrupt that. Do you see, I know you guys on the podcast can't see it. Do you see the large helipad <laughs> in the middle of my head? Okay. This large area of hairlessness is because of all my damn hitters. Yeah. And I used to – this is a running joke, okay? And am I allowed to talk about big leaguers? Is that okay? Um, yeah. Hang on. Is, let me check with uh, – you know, like, Hang on. I'm going to check. This is Lou Gehrig. I'm going to talk to him real quick. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so this is – this was the running joke, okay, was that Chavis is the reason all my hair was falling out, all right, and LeMahieu is the only reason I have any left. <laughs> Is Mike was such a is such a roller coaster? And look, Mike Mike's like my little brother, so like we we joke about this all the time. But dude's a roller coaster. When he's on fire, he's electric. Like carries the team crazy four hundred fifty foot homers. And DJ just goes out and gets his two knocks every day and Not plays blowing. Gold Glove defense. It's like a guy that shoots seventy two in golf. Yeah, it's just like it's almost like boring. It's like dude, like we talked about like DJ doesn't hit. He just gets in the way of the ball forever. Like he just, his barrel just never is out of the way of the baseball. And so talking about losing sleep, I lost my damn hair. 
Yes. All right. Like, yes. And, but what's funny is I feel, obviously it's a little different, but if I have a 13 year old that's struggling and constantly coming in and like the kids working hard, like it bothers me. Like I will change everything I'm doing to help that kid find success from a drills and a thought, bro. Like it, it literally bothers me if somebody's not. And that's when I told you, when I reach out to other guys, like I can't stand. Now, if you get a kid that doesn't care, that's different. Like whatever. Can't, I can't help that. But if you get a kid that cares and is working and is still struggling. Like it gets to me bad, almost to a fault. Dude, I, I can't, I couldn't agree more case. I think that one of the things that, um, you know, you, you stands out when, listen, everybody coaches for different reasons, just like players play for different reasons. I have players that have come, come and, and come through my tutelage or whatever you want to call it and played for me. And it didn't even really seem like they liked playing baseball. It seemed like their dad liked it more than they did. They were playing because their pops was a fanatic, grew up playing it. Maybe they like soccer more. They're better basketball players. Who knows? But you could tell they weren't really locked in. They didn't, they weren't waking up driven. Like I asked my players continually, are you having fun? Are you enjoying yourself? Are you waking up? Are you like, what are you, are you inspired? Like, or do you wake up passionate about getting after it every single day? Can you not think about anything other than hitting homers? Can you, when you pass by your mirror in your house, are you doing dry swings, just like checking out your swing? Or are you just showing up because you think it's like uh, kind of a cool thing to do is be an athlete and, you know, get girls and stuff. And listen, I'm not judging you if that's what you do. You want to take a fine girl to the prom and, you know, you want to, then you got to hit a couple of jacks in high school and stuff and you get the, you get the nice girl to go to the prom. I, I'm not hating, but it's the same thing with coaches. Coaches coach for different reasons. Some guys do it for ego reasons. For me personally, the only, the only way that I can really tell if I'm doing the right thing as a coach, because I coach personally because I know that baseball gave me a feeling when I was a kid and I had no money and my family was on welfare, but I could square up a ball pretty good in neighborhood pickup games. I didn't even really have thoughts of being like Chris Calabello playing in the big leagues. I never could dream that big because I was only living. I wouldn't get off. I couldn't even get off my, my block. So my feeling of feeling good was the older guys in the neighborhood that were three years older than me, my brother's age, I would get picked up pretty well in the game. I wouldn't get picked last. And that was good enough for me. I had some confidence because I didn't have really nice clothes. And I've nothing. So when I try to instill in the players that I coach is there's nowhere else that's more fun to be when you smell the grass and you step in between the lines and it's pregame and you hear the cleats and all this other stuff going on and dudes get ready and chirping each other and all that. It doesn't matter if your father's an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you have a learning disability at school. It doesn't if you can't read, if your parents just flamed you, if your girl broke up with you because you got bad breath, all that stuff doesn't matter, right? What matters is, can you beat me today on this field? Are you good enough to, to, to roll with me out here? Because once I'm out there, everything else can disappear. So the really the only gauge that I have as a coach is if I'm doing a good job, is if like players that have played for me in the past call me randomly and say, hey, what's up, coach? How you doing, Ferbs? Everything good? 
or send me a funny little meme, a little text, or just random, like just some funny thing, like, hey, 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 Ferb, check this out. And I laugh and they laugh. And that tells me that I made some type of impact other than just working with a bunch of studs and winning a bunch of games and guys getting drafted and guys going to college scholarships and all that. All that stuff is great, but it's not as good of a feeling as somebody calling me on my birthday or on a holiday and saying, hey, Ferb, I miss you, man. Love you. Hope everything's going good. That's how I, I kind of do it. So the guys that are out there that aren't thinking about coaching in those aspects, I can't really relate to. It's not that I'm not not against them. I'm not saying they're bad people, just that the people that I relate to most are the ones that connect with the players and do like Chris, like what you were saying is that when they're struggling, I'm struggling. When they're stressed out about scholarships, when their kids broken down crying, I've had multiple, a lot of them, you know, kids in high school, 15, 16, 17, they're the guys that they're stud athletes. Everybody worships them, but in dark corners and dark places, right? Yes. When, 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 when there's nobody else to talk to and nobody else around and they're feeling insecure or whatever, because they're not getting to the college level where they wanted to play in the ACC or they wanted to play in the SEC and they're not getting those looks for whatever reason, you know, and they, they're viewing themselves as a failure and they're cr- broke down crying. I mean, are these other guys that are out there on Twitter, are they having these conversations with players? Exactly. Yeah. I can't tell you. My circle of, of players has like I've, I'm trying to keep it smaller because I'm not I don't I'm not in the cage as much like one on one. Casey, I think out of all of us, you're probably spending the most time. I actually just started a little hit, hitting group tonight through like with Pelotero. Uh, it's a group of guys. Um, a couple of them are, are athletes that we've known. A couple are athletes that we've known for a few years now who, um, you know, grew up at AB athletic development up in, in Nashua and Tukes with through Tukes hitting. And one of them came in tonight and I said, Hey, how you doing? Cause he got hurt at the end of his high school season. And I, I stopped basically hearing from him. I said, Hey, when you're going to wait till November to hit me up when you're ready to hit. And I was like, he's like, yeah, why, like, why else? I was like, well, you could let me know how band's going. Like, I know you play an instrument. Like you let me know how school's going. He's like, and he turned to his dad and he's like, he wants to know how band's going. And I was like, yeah, because you're part of my life now, man. You're like, I care about helping you be a better human first. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Like, and I want all your hopes and dreams to come through true in baseball. I know it can happen for everyone. I know it can, because I was a, a kid that grew up between two countries to a, a middle-class family, uh, son of an Italian mom and, and, a, and an American dad whose only dream was to watch his son play in the major leagues. And I was lucky enough to accomplish that dream because I just didn't like taking no for an answer. And I, I was fortunate enough to have people in my life that took time, Rich Gedman, number one, Bobby Tewksbury, number two, to take time out of their lives to introduce something to me that, They'll both say, Chris, I didn't learn, like, I didn't make this up. I didn't make it up. I didn't invent it. I just, I, I watched what the most successful people did and, and I passed it along. So we just become messengers. And ultimately, I can't tell you how many conversations my, my circle of college guys is probably like 10. And I spent an hour on the phone with one of them today because uh, we were having a discussion about, you know, just how he needs to attack his 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 drill work and his his mindset going into drill work and and being accepting of information and then at the same time like evaluating that info for what it is and one of the things that i brought up with him was 
like you're going to have this predisposed notion to, to drift to the people that you like, right? Generally speaking, like if you, if you don't like your hitting coach, or your team, that doesn't mean he's not good. That doesn't mean he doesn't have good info, but if he said something to make you resent him and I felt these things, that's why, that's why I say it out loud. I'm like, there were times when I felt like my coaches were rooting against me and I had to go seek out information somewhere else. I sobbed on a curb for three hours when I was in double A with Bobby and he just listened. He just took the time to listen. And then we got past it. So I spend more time talking to these guys when they're going through struggles, because that's ultimately what it comes down to. Cause when they struggle, I struggle when they, when they, when they fail, I failed, I failed them. And when they succeed, they succeed. You know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing that, 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 that makes me happier than when a kid figures it out and basically tells me he doesn't need me anymore. Cause that's true ownership of information. All right, Bobby, let's wind this down, dude. I got, I got, my, I got, I got, I got babies upstairs and shit. Yeah, that's great. And I don't end the show though. Chris ends the show, so he's got to do his thing. Go ahead, Chris. Wait, 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 wait. Thank you guys so much for being on. True pleasure. Can't wait to do it again. Can't wait to see you guys in person. ABCA. Chris? On that note, thank you to my... This is going to have a little spicy flair, a little thank you to my guy, DJ Furs. Coming <laughs> with it. Stay crispy, my dude. Casey Smith, out front hitting. I'm giving a, a bow because I, uh, I truly respect you as the major leaguer that I once was and am in perpetuity. I think nobody can ever take that away from me. My baseball reference page says it. I've hit a lot of homers in the show. Casey Smith, I respect your teachings. Well done. And uh, thank you for helping the hitting world, the hitting verse, the hitting Twitter universe and regular verse as well. About to you, sir. The metaverse. Keep wearing your hat backwards, my brother. Keep wearing your hat backwards. <laughs> And on that note, pickle out!